Good morning. <clears throat> so, if you regularly attend, you probably realize there's some things different this morning. <clears throat> For one, I forgot to take my mask off. <laughs> but we, we're going to have a good time worshiping. Amen. So, I want to read you a passage of scripture, uh, Psalms 34, and then we're going to worship the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Thank you, Jesus. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good Amen. thing. Hallelujah. Come, you children, listen to me. Now I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Amen. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. And many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Hallelujah. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Lord, I thank you that you love us and you have made a way thank you, Jesus. for us to know you and to be called your friend. Lord, you have given life to us. Thank I thank you, Lord, that you treat us as your children, even though we have been your enemy, even though we have rejected and we've rebelled, even though there have been times in our life when we've resisted, your great love for us never changes. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. And I ask that you reveal that to those who don't know you. Yes. As we read in this psalm, Lord, that those who practice evil and wickedness, they, they are judged by their own actions, and they are not going to receive all those wonderful things that you've given to your children. So, Lord, I pray that you save the lost, turn their hearts, reveal yourself to them so they would come to know you. Yes. Speak to us this morning, Lord. As we lift up and exalt you this morning, I pray that you pour your spirit on these people, yes. that we would experience you in all of your goodness and glory. Hallelujah. Change us in your presence this morning, Thank Lord. Speak to us and give us your word this morning so that we can be changed in your presence. Amen. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's stand and worship.
Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. The can move the mountains yes my god is mighty to say he is mighty to say forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the
inside of my chest because I realize how much he loves me. Yeah. And I ought to do something for you. Man, you ought to be yes. wanting to shout or do something. 
Think about that, that God loves you so much, and he's given everything for you. Thank you, Jesus. We deserve death, and he gave us life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We deserve to be punished, and he said, I'm going to give you mercy. Thank you, Lord. We deserve to have nothing, and he's given us everything. Thank you, Jesus. How he loves us. Mm. One of the ways we celebrate that is by the Lord's table. We, we recognize that he gave everything. We celebrate that by partaking of the bread and the, and the juice as a symbol of his body and blood that was broken and shed for us. And, and there is something that happens when we do that. Something real happens in the spiritual realm because he said, do this in remembrance of me until I return because you are celebrating the Lord's death and burial and resurrection and all of the provision. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to come as we sing the next song. And uh, we, we practice open communion. If you're a visitor, if you're a believer, Join with us. That's all we ask. If you're not, if you've never made a commitment to the Lord, if you're, you don't know about your children, then you know you just be responsible. But we're inviting everyone to partake with us as we worship. Come and get the elements and uh, take them back, and then we'll all partake together uh, here in a minute. Y'all come get it.
wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found Hallelujah So Now this this wafer is not it is not the body of Jesus, but we we partake of it because it represents it. We are we are in a covenant with the Lord. If you're a believer, that means that you have entered into a covenant relationship with him. And in the old covenant, there was a an animal that was slain and they would cut it in half and they'd spread the parts out and those who were entering into covenant would walk between those parts and they would say, I agree to give everything I have to you and the other person said, I agree to give everything I have to you and your enemies are going to be my enemies and my enemies are going to be your enemies and if I break the covenant and everything has happened to this bloody animal, I bring it on myself. That was the old covenant. The new covenant Jesus said, I'm making this covenant for you. It's in my body and blood. And you don't have to do anything except just receive my sacrifice and my gift by faith. And I'll fulfill my part of the covenant. And I'll fulfill your part of the covenant as well. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can't find a better deal than that. Thank you, Lord. So when the night before Jesus was crucified, the Last Supper, they partook of the Passover lamb, which is, you know, from the very beginning was representative of what he was going to do. And he said, look, I want you guys to take some of this bread. And he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And he said, I want you to eat it because this is my flesh. This is my body. It's broken for you. And you're entering into a new covenant. And it's bought with my body and my blood. It's not the same old covenant. It is a new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you that you gave your body. Thank you, Jesus. You took those stripes on your back. You took those nails in your hands and feet. You took the spear in your side. You took all that pain and suffering and agony. And not only that, but you took upon yourself our sins. And you said, my body is given so that you can have life. Thank you, Lord. you took our guilt and shame. You took the penalty for our sin. You took our death. You. And you bore that so we could take on your life. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for that. We receive all that your body represents, Lord. We receive that. In Jesus' name, break and partake. In the same manner, it says he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. The blood that was shed for you so that you can have forgiveness, remission of sins, so that you can be cleansed. And I'm so glad that he didn't just say, I forgive your sins. He broke the power and the dominion of sin in our lives. We do not have to sin. We can be free of sin. And we can certainly be free of our past. 
and we can be free of the guilt and the shame associated with that because when he suffered and humiliated, he was humiliated in front of all those people that day on the cross. He was taking our shame and our humiliation so that we don't have to do that. And if you feel bad about something that you did in the past, you need to realize that you are doing that because you don't understand the fullness of his provision. The enemy wants to lie to you and tell you that you are messed up and broken and that's the way you're always going to be and that no matter what you do, it's never going to be enough because you're always going to be a miserable wretch in God's eyes. And I'm here to tell you when God looks at you, what he sees is the blood of the lamb. He sees that you are redeemed and that you are changed, that you are saved and your name is written in the book of life. And there is not any of the lies of the enemy that can change that because we are his people. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we receive all that your blood provides for us. The blood of the new covenant, Lord. We say yes. Yes. We say amen to your provision. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let the power of your blood work its full work in us and change us today now as we receive it. In Jesus' name, let's protect. Hallelujah. Let's continue to worship now and just let the Lord speak to you. You know, everybody has stuff in your life from 100 years ago or last year, this morning, whenever. And you're worrying about tomorrow, you're thinking about this afternoon, all the different things that are going through your mind. Just put all that aside for a minute and just think about the fact that God in Christ has made a way. Thank you. So that your past is past. Thank you, Jesus. Today is taken care of. Hallelujah. And tomorrow is sure. Hallelujah. And it's all because of what he did on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. And he didn't just die, but he rose again, victorious. Amen. Defeating death, hell, and the grave. Thank you, and Jesus. And he's written all of it out for us to read and understand the provision of his sacrifice. Yes. Well, let him speak to you as we worship now in Jesus' name.
Father, but you are revealing to us yes. who we are in you, Lord. Jesus, hallelujah. We are your children. Yes. You've called us to a deeper place, Lord. Yes. Called us to a place that overthrows darkness. Yes. A place that allows us to walk in the light as you're in the light. Thank you, Jesus. And you called us to a place where we can walk with you as friends. You called us friends. Thank you, Jesus. And you speak to us, Lord. You reveal the truth of your word to us. You take us by the hand and you lead us. That's who you are, Lord, and that's who we are in you. We are your children, those that you have called, those that you sought out. Even when we were rebellious and resistant, Lord, you sought us out. You won our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you never give up on us. You never reject us. You never tell us, that's the last time I'm not going to forgive you again. You never tell us, Thank you, Jesus. you're not interested in our problem. You're interested in every one of our circumstances, our issues. You know how many hairs are on our head. You keep up with all of our, our issues in life. 
And you are working all the time on our behalf, Lord. I thank you for that. Thank you for the assurance that you love us and you care for us. And that you're not just leaving us alone. Lord, I thank you so much that you didn't just create the world and spin it into orbit like a top and just stand back to watch and see what happens. But Lord, you have chosen to be involved in our lives every day, every moment of every day. You want to be involved. You want to have that relationship with us. You were willing to give everything so that we could have that relationship. Lord, I thank you for that. Speak that to our hearts, Lord. Bring that revelation inside so that each one of us would see how precious we are in your sight, Lord. We're not some afterthought. We're not some mistake. We were created in Christ Jesus to be your workmanship, created for good works, created so that we could be fruitful and multiply, so that we could be the people that you called us to be, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you alone are God. You alone are God, and you alone can change the circumstances in my life. You alone can change the circumstances in this nation, Lord. You alone can change all the evil that's going on in this world, Lord. We, we can gripe and complain and grumble, but only you can change it, Lord. Let your people, Lord, those who are called by your name, let us begin to humble ourselves turn from our wicked ways, to begin to honor you like never before, begin to think about the eternal things and not so much on the everyday struggles of life, Lord. Help us to get our eyes on you. Help us to humble ourselves, to seek you so that you can forgive us, heal this land, Lord. Oh, we lift up this nation. We are we are messed up and we are broken. We need you, Lord. We don't need a politician. We don't need a new law. We need a new leader, and that's you, Lord. One that would lead us by our hand, each one of us individually, and that corporately we come together and we begin to be unified in an attitude of love and humility and service to one another. That we would begin to honor your word, the truth of your word, that righteousness would have its place in this nation again. That we'd stand and believe and stand in the truth. We'd not allow the enemy to rule and reign, but we would want light to rule and reign. We want truth to rule and reign. We want you to be our God. Lord, we lift up Vice President Pence, and we ask that you give him wisdom and courage, Lord. Wednesday, as they get ready to certify or reject the Electoral College votes, Lord, I don't know what's right. I just know that you're the only one that can change anything. You're the only one that can cause the truth to be revealed. And you're the only one that can heal all the division and strife in this nation. Guide him and cause him to do your will, Lord, so that this nation will get on a path for healing and peace and the division and strife and racism and hatred and animosity would just begin to fall aside and we would become unified in you, Lord. Only you can heal our hearts. Only you can heal our brokenness. We cry out to you, Lord God. We need you more of you, Lord. More of you, Lord God. We need you. Hallelujah. Lord God, you are the only one that can heal the brokenness in our hearts, Lord. The loss that we experience when we lose a loved one. The loss that we experience when someone is sick. 
loss we experience when things don't go right and we see a, a dream or a vision just crashed and dashed on the rocks. And yet, Lord, you are our hope. You, Lord God, can heal and deliver us from our fears. You, Lord God, can give us that, that hope because you alone are the blessed hope. Christ in us. It's all in you, Lord. So this morning, I lift up Carlos and all of his family, Lord. And I just pray favor and blessing and peace and comfort over them. Oh, Lord God, that you would cause them to rise up be filled with hope, Lord. Be filled with hope. For those who have been exposed to COVID and those who have been diagnosed with COVID, Lord, I pray healing and deliverance and victory, Lord. Those that are here this morning that have, have been sick, but now they're well, Lord, we thank you because you alone, God, can heal and deliver. There's no cure for this virus, but you can deliver us from all things, Lord God, and we thank you for that. Hallelujah. We rejoice in your love and your care and your provision, Lord. I thank you that you are here this morning to speak life to us, Lord, to each one of us. The areas of our life where we've, we've got fear and anxiety, we've got concerns, we've got issues that are not resolved, we've got relationships that are broken. We have problems that we can't even express with our words or our minds, but we, just, we have anxiety and issues, Lord. You alone can heal and deliver us. You can look right into our very hearts and minds and you can say, peace, be still. Be healed. Be loosed. Be set free. Lord, we need to hear from you this morning. We don't need more information. We don't need more stuff. We just need more of you. More of you, Lord. The truth, the way, and the life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Just, just take a moment. Breathe in. Just breathe in of the Spirit. The Lord is here, and He's wanting to bring refreshing to you. This is the time to just be in His presence. Let Him refresh you in His presence. Fear has fallen to the side now and doubts, anxiety has fallen to the wayside now because you are experiencing the presence of the Lord. He is pouring his spirit out and you are being set free right here, right now in his presence. It's happening right now. Receive what God has poured out on you. 
goodness abound towards us. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are here. You've poured out your spirit on us this morning. And if we were just to stop right now and go home, we could say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. It's been great to be in your presence, Lord. I thank you for that. Now, Lord, as we, as we move into your word, continue to speak to us. Continue to reveal yourself to us. Bring life and liberty, peace, joy into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Get a microphone. So thank you, worship team. Uh, if you didn't notice, the worship team was a little different this morning. It was very good, though. It was very good, amen. So Jason found out that he was going to be leading worship as he drove into the parking lot. That's a pretty good job for a guy who didn't have any warning. Yeah. Lydia, thank you. You guys did great. That was, uh, was wonderful. Go ahead, Mitch. So I just had a little, just a little short word, and I just felt like it was just for somebody in particular. I don't know who. But uh, the Lord's just really impressing on my heart. He said, Come unto me, all ye who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. And I just felt that so strongly that I know that's for someone in particular in here this morning. And I didn't just, just didn't want to let it, let it go by the wayside. So, Amen. Thank you. So if that's for you, receive that. That's a confirmation to you that there is rest available. And I know that some people have busy schedules, they have hectic things going on in their life, and it seems like it never ends. I'm a little busy myself, so I can relate to that. But there is rest. There's rest available, and we just need to receive of that rest that he's provided. Hebrews, it says, work hard to enter into the rest. It's kind of a, I guess you'd call it an oxymoron or something. I didn't say you were a moron. I said an oxymoron. But, uh, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to strive. You have to be diligent to enter into the rest. Because if you don't do that, I promise you what you'll do is you'll end up just getting busy, and you'll be all frustrated, and you'll be all anxious, and then you'll just be so busy that all you can think about is your frustration and your anxiety, and then you'll just be so busy that it, it's just this vicious cycle. But if you'll be diligent, remind yourself, God has provided a way. I don't have to live in all of this frustration and anxiety. I can, be, I can get this stress resolved in my life by seeking 
the Lord and allowing his peace to rule and reign in my heart. Enter into that rest. Okay. So we're in Colossians chapter 1. And I think this is part 5. And we're talking about uh, what we're doing is we're just going uh, verse by verse. And we're picking out some key words and talking about it. I don't know how far we're going to get today. I don't give you an outline because I don't think it would do you a lot of good. I don't stick to outlines all that well anyway, I don't think. But um, I like the freedom of being able to talk about whatever I want to talk about at the time and whatever I feel like the Lord is putting, putting in there for me to say. And if I give you an outline, then I feel obligated to say what I put on the outline. Anyway, that's what it is. Okay, we're going to read this passage uh, beginning in verse 14 down through 18. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about some words, and I'm going to give you some uh, definition and some explanation. You know, the, the Word of God was written in Hebrew and Chaldean and Greek and Aramaic, basically, and Greek is a dead language. No one really speaks Greek like that anymore, and so all the people that know about it have studied and learned, and they've read all those ancient manuscripts and uh, not just the biblical manuscripts, but other manuscripts. Uh, there were philosophers and historians that wrote things, and they, they read all those different documents, and they try to figure out what is the best meaning and interpretation for the various words. <clears throat> so, in case you didn't know, when uh, God was talking uh, in the Scripture, he wasn't speaking in the King James literature voice. You know, that, that is something that that we did when we translated it in 1611. That's the language that they spoke in England. It was authorized by King James, and they did all the these and the nows, and thou knowest that that's difficult to read us that way. But that was the way they spoke. And so that was the way it was translated. And so now we, we have a multitude of different uh, translations and versions, and you can pick and choose if you like the King James, then that's fine. If you like a different version, that's fine too. I have a preference. I like the New King James, personally. I like the King James Version, but I don't like all the these and thous, and so the New King James makes it more uh, modern in the way that it describes it, and all the archaic language is taken out of it. So the reason I say all that is to say that even in English, <clears throat> we have a multitude of words that have different meanings, different shades of meanings, and we have different words that mean kind of the same thing. Big, large, huge, enormous, gigantic, you know, 
on and on and on, you know, big, bigger, biggest, large, large, largest. I mean, you can, all those are basically saying something is big. It's of a, a size that's big. Well, there are words in the original language in the scripture that's the same way. There are, there are like for the, the word that we hear translated as power or authority or strength or might, there's usually, there's four words that are used for that in the original language. Exousia, dunamis, kratos, and ixus. And those words, they, they mean very similar things, but there is a slight difference. Just like there is a slight difference between big and large and huge and enormous. I mean, if you say one of those words, people will know you're talking about something that's big. But there's more meaning in the word enormous or gigantic than just saying it's big. If I say it's big, you're thinking, okay, it's big. But when I say it's enormous, I mean, then you know it's something more than just big. And that's the way it is with the scripture. There are words that mean very specific things, but they can be kind of rolled in with some of the others. So let's go. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. And that word image is what we're going to talk about first. It's a visual representation of an object or a scene or a person or an abstraction. It's produced on a surface, a living image, a likeness, an appearance. It's the same word that's in Romans 8:29, where it says we are to be conformed to the image of the Son. The image. So it's not the thing, but it's a representation of the thing. It's an image. He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. So when we see Jesus, we see God. If you want to know what God looks like, you want to know how God acts and how God talks, read the Gospels because that's what Jesus did. He was an exact representation of his Father. That's what Hebrews 1 said. He is the expressed image of his person. He is the image of the Father. So when we see Jesus, we are seeing God. God is invisible. That means he's impossible to see. But in Matthew 5, verse 8, it says, The pure in heart shall see God. You don't really see him physically, but you see him in Christ. You see him in life. You see him in your heart and mind, and you know who he is, and you know what his heart is like, and you know what he, what he wants for you. Because if you're pure in your heart, if you've been redeemed, then you'll begin to see God. You'll see God in everything in life. You'll see God in, in the flowers and the trees. You'll see God in the sky and the sunset. You'll see God in, in the creation. You'll see God in people. Jacob and Esau, they, they had this enmity between them. And they split and they went their separate ways. And Jacob, when he came back later, he came back and he was fearful because he cheated Esau and Esau had vowed to kill him. And there was this animosity, enmity. But when they came back together, God had brought healing and redemption. And what, what it actually says, when he, when he looked into his brother, he saw the face of God. That's what we need to do. We need to see the face of God in people. We need to see people as someone that are so precious in God's sight that he gave everything. And that makes them precious in our sight as well. 
That could be the homeless person. It could be the, the person that's, that's broken your heart over and over again in your life, that's lied to you and cheated you. It could be that person that, you know, they've, they've messed up opportunity after opportunity and you're just about to throw in the towel and say, forget it. It could be uh, the politicians that don't do what you vote for them to do. But if we begin to see the face of God in people, instead of seeing all of their flaws and all their problems, not only will it heal you and heal your heart, but it will set them free so that they can be healed as well. Because that, that creates, when you, when you see someone as a failure, you're basically, you're, you're putting a burden on them in the spiritual realm, you are saying to them, you are messed up and I'm, I'm solidifying that and I'm claiming it and I'm putting it down. I'm, I'm writing it in stone. That's the way you are. That's the way you're going to be. How about we say, no, this is the way you are and this is the way you're going to be. You are going to be redeemed. You're going to be saved. You're going to be delivered. You're going to be changed and you're not going to be like that anymore. And I'm going to start that process by loving you and seeing beyond your faults and I'm going to look at you and I'm going to see a person that God loves so much he gave everything for. If we begin to do that, you'll begin to see what God looks like because you'll begin to see God in people. And people, instead of an opportunity to hurt you, you'll begin to see people as an opportunity to love you, an opportunity for you to love them, an opportunity for God to work in a wonderful, beautiful way. Life is good. We don't need to be thinking and focusing on all the negative things. I mean, there's plenty of it out there. Believe me, you can find negative. You can grumble and complain, and you can be unhappy, and you can be miserable, or you can choose to say, I see the invisible God in his creation and in people's faces, people that love me, people that don't love me, people that like me, people that don't like me. I see God in them, the invisible God. John 3, 3 says you must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. John 11, Jesus said, if you'll just believe, you'll see the glory of God. It happens when we begin to believe what God says instead of what our circumstances say. In Matthew 19, Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler and he told him, you need to Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me and you'll have great riches in heaven. Your whole life is going to be turned around if you'll just let go of that thing that's holding you back. And the guy went away sad and uh, Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And then the disciples said, well, golly, if it's that hard, how's anybody going to be saved? And Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. That's the kind of God that we need to be seeing, a God that is capable of all things, not limited, not a God that's, you know, that's only this big, but we need to see a God that's gigantic and enormous and bigger than all of life and bigger than everything. That's the God we need to see, the God that is not just... He is invisible, but he is displayed throughout the entire universe with his creation and his power. That's the God we need to see. He is the firstborn. That means it was existing first. 
existing before, preceding all others in time or space or degree, probably understood as still including all the rights and privileges that accompany being a physical firstborn. In other words, the very firstborn. If you were the firstborn in your family, it's a blessing and a curse, I think, sometimes because, uh, you know, there's a lot of expectations on a firstborn. The parents don't know how to be a parent yet, and they're learning. And so they want you to be perfect. And, you know, you're not perfect. And so there's some frustration and there's some disappointment and there's some problems, you know, and there can be some resentment. But the firstborn is also special in that they're the first one. They are the, I mean, you look at the number of pictures that are taken of the firstborn, you know, I mean, it's bajillions. And then the second born, it's a few. And the third born, it's like, oh, we don't even have a picture of that kid. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because there's something special about the firstborn. And there is something uh, significant about this usage of the word in relation to Christ. He was the firstborn of all of the resurrection of the dead, meaning his people now. You know, there were people that were raised from the dead in the Old Testament. But Jesus brought a new way so that no one has to suffer spiritual death and go to hell. There is an opportunity for every person to experience life and to experience that resurrection into eternal life. That's what Jesus was talking about in John 11 when he said, if you just believe, you'll see the glory of God. He said, all things are possible. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he's going to live. Because you don't really die, you just get translated. You just get promoted up to a different place. And your life goes on. The firstborn. That means you, he is the first in time, the first in rank, the first in place, the first in everything. Jesus has that significant place. He is the firstborn over all creation. He's not just a guy who came and lived and died and we, and we celebrated at Easter. He is way more than anything that you or I can understand or comprehend because he is all of these things. He is the image of God. He is the firstborn over all creation. And creation it's, it could be used interchangeably with universe. The universe understood as an object which God brought into existence. It could also be considered as a governor system or a system of authority. The creation, it's everything as we know it. It's our whole system of life. So when he is the firstborn over all creation, that means he's pretty much A number one. He rules and reigns over everything. It's not just a little bit. It's not just uh, your heart or my heart. He rules over everything. But he doesn't, he doesn't rule like a dictator. He is over all, and yet he allows us to have free will. We have a choice. Just like Adam and Eve have a choice in the garden, they chose to eat from the wrong tree, and they received the judgment that God had promised to them. He said, if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. And that's what happened. And we have that same choice today. We can either choose life or we can choose death. We can choose to do the things that, that God has said are good for us or we can do the things that God has said are bad for us. That's our choice. 
He rules and reigns over the entire creation, but he doesn't hold us like a puppet on strings, but rather he says, look, I've given all this. It's available to you. Would you receive it? Would you walk in my provision and my care? Would you walk in my love and mercy and grace? Would you let me love you and call you my child? Or, even though I've done all that for you, it's available, you can choose to follow your own way. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. I choose life. The next verse says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Were created. That means to be created. To be overcome, brought into existence, to make habitable to people a place. It's a region to make it habitable. I like that. You think about the fact that all these things were created. They weren't just created. They were created to be habitable. They were created for us. And they were created, in, in Revelation it says, they were created for His pleasure. But His pleasure is all wrapped up in us. That's the cool thing about God. He's not all about Himself. He's about us. He did everything. He created all this for for us and for him to be able to enjoy us and for us to be able to enjoy him. If you ever work on a computer in Excel or one of those kind of programs, there's a, an error code that comes up sometimes. It says, <clears throat> you have a circular reference. And that means that one cell is referring to uh, the same cell and asking for an answer, but you're, you're hoping to get it from somewhere else, but it, it's coming back around to where it originates, and it can't answer that question because it needs to be referring to some other cell. Well, the Bible is, uh, is kind of a circular reference in a good way because everything that the Bible reveals to us about God, it, it is all connected. And everything the Bible reveals to us about the devil is all connected. Everything the Bible reveals to us about us, it's all connected. And so when, when we say, you know, I want to know the truth because the truth will make me free. What is truth? Truth is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so it's this circular reference. You want to know truth? He is truth. You want to know life? He is life. You want to know which way? He is the way. It's this reference that keeps coming back. God is saying to you, there is a sacrifice that will take care of your sin problem, and it's Jesus. He is the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, from the very beginning. It's the same. It's the very same from the very beginning. When God spoke into existence, created everything, the very first thing he said was, let there be light. Jesus is the light of the world. It's like this gigantic, enormous circular reference that just keeps coming back. We can't miss it. How can you not see that God is revealing who he is in everything? And he's revealing that in us as well. And sometimes it can be kind of confusing, but if you just go back to the Word, 
and you begin to read and study and you figure out that, oh, yeah, it's all in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. In the very beginning, when God created everything, Jesus was part of the creation. He was the creator. Not anything was created without him. All things were created that are in heaven or earth. Heaven is the abode of God and the angels. It's the vaulted expanse of the sky with all things visible in it. It's God's realm. It's where God is, although God is here as well. But he, but he resides in the heavens, and he, and he fills the earth with his glory. And he is everywhere. He alone is omnipotent. He alone rules and reigns in all of creation. The earth is the place where human beings and animals live. We modernly understand that it's the third planet from the sun. It's man's realm. So the heavens are God's realm. The earth is man's realm. Now one day, if you're a believer, you're going to run out of here and you're going to go be with God in his realm. But right now, this is our realm. And in our realm, God rules and reigns as well as he does in heaven and we are his co-laborers, and we are his authorized, delegated authority to operate in this realm and do things according to his plan and purpose. That's really important to understand because this is our realm. We're supposed to have dominion here. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Satan usurped that dominion, that authority. He took it from them. They basically handed over the keys of authority to all of earth. But in Christ, he came back and he took back those keys from death, hell, and the grave. And he is giving it to us and he's saying, I'm giving you the keys, the authority of heaven and earth, rule and reign in my place. Because we are his authorized representatives, just like Adam and Eve were. Now, all things have been placed under his feet. And because we're in Christ, those things are under our feet as well. That's a positional thing. And so it is, it is actually a reality, but we don't see it fully manifested right now because we're living in a broken, fallen world. And so it is our responsibility as God's people to be the light and the salt. It's our responsibility to, to stand in the truth of his word, proclaim that. It's our responsibility to do the works of Jesus. He came to destroy the works of the devil, and that's what we should be doing. We should be doing those same things. We should be preaching the gospel, giving to the poor, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. I mean, those are the very same things that Jesus did. That's what we should be doing. We should be doing the works of him who has sent us. He said, I'm with you. Go and do these same things. Earth is man's domain, but we are actively working actively working in each of our lives to restore God's rule and reign and order. It's done, and we're trying to learn how to appropriate it in our lives every day. It's, it's confusing, one of those circular references. It's done, but we still have to walk it out. Every day, you have an opportunity to say yes or no. Every day, you have an opportunity to say I'm going to believe what God says or I'm going to believe what Satan says. I'm going to believe what uh, I believe is the truth or I'm going to believe what the news media says. 
I'm going to believe what I, what I know God's Word says, or I'm going to believe what a friend or a co-worker says. Every day we're making choices all day long. Truth or fiction or lie or deception. Truth will set you free. Lies will bring you into bondage. Lies will bring you into bondage. We need to be praying for this nation. In so many ways, we've begun to believe the lies. We've believed uh, the deception. And there is a way that seems right to man. It sounds good to your ears, but the end is, it is not going to be what you think it is. He created all things, the things in heaven and earth, things that are visible and invisible. The visible are the things that are capable of being seen. They're open to view. The invisible are the impossible to see. They're hidden to view. But in God, He is making it possible for us to see all things, even those things that are hidden. Because in the spiritual realm, He's bringing revelation to us. We're not blind. We can see. We don't have to walk around in darkness. We're walking in the light. And so the things that, are, that have been hidden are being revealed. They're being opened up to our vision so that we can actually see them and understand them. That's what Paul said. He said, for all ages, this stuff has been a mystery. It's been hidden. But God has been revealing it to me, and I'm preaching it and teaching it to you, and now you're beginning to see those mysteries. They're becoming clear to you. You're understanding them. That's what God wants. He wants to reveal himself to us so that we will know who he is, and know how great his love is for us so that we can see those things that are seen and unseen alike. We can see it in the spiritual realm and begin to understand what's going on. Because i got to say, sometimes I look at things in life and it just doesn't fit in my way of thinking. I look at it and I say, man, this is just not right. I don't expect this to be this way. I thought it was going to be like this. I need to be able to see it in the spiritual realm and understand what God is saying about the circumstances in my life. Understand what his plan and purpose is. And instead of me just having my little brain fixed on something that I've always believed, maybe God's got something way different for me to see and understand. But I have to, I have to be open and I have to be willing to listen to God. If you're set in your ways, you're not very likely to change. But if if you're willing to let him change your ways, then you can set your affections on him instead of the things of the earth, and that whole circular reference begins to change the way it looks then in your life, and you begin to see him, and you begin to see his way, and you begin to see you're seeing his plan and purpose for your life, and you see how he looks at stuff instead of how you look at it. When you look at it, and you see it from your eyes, your eyes are flawed, they're broken. You've been hurt and wounded. You're looking at stuff through eyes that don't see with 20-20 vision all the time. But God sees everything. He knows everything from the beginning to the end. He sees everything along the way, every point in your life. I was talking with, I was talking with William this, this week, and he, we were talking about uh, how that God has created all of us and how he has planned your 
life from before you were even conceived in your mother's womb. I've planned the days of your life. He knows exactly what's going to go on. He doesn't, he doesn't say this is what you don't have a choice, but he knows everything about your life. He knows how many days you're going to have. And in relation to that, we need to be praying for our, our children, our grandchildren, praying for our friends and their families, praying that God would give an anointing and a calling to each of those children and grandchildren. They would raise up and become warriors in the kingdom. Maybe grandchildren that are not even born yet will become preachers and missionaries and pastors and evangelists. There'll be people that will love God and they'll lead. There'll be examples of what life is supposed to look like. Don't you want that for your children and your grandchildren? I do. The number of their days is already planned out. God has already ordained that. They have a destiny. It's before them. John the Baptist, before he was even conceived, you know, God was telling Zacharias, you're going to have you're going to have a son, even though you don't think it's possible. And this is what's going to happen. He's going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. Think of that. Some of you guys could have children or grandchildren. There could be a president or a senator or an evangelist or a pastor or a prophet, an apostle. Who knows what God can do? But it's now. Now as we begin to pray, we begin to press in and say, yes, God. I accept what you say about my family. I accept what you say about me. I will be who you've called me to be. I'm not going to limit you. I'm not going to limit your work in my life. I'm going to say yes. And I believe for the impossible. God, nothing is impossible. You look at your life right now and you say, how can this ever be? Get that out of your mind. You begin to see that God can do the impossible. God can change your circumstances and God can raise you up. He can raise up your children. Even the ones that maybe you think they're messed up and they're lost and they're not going to ever come back. They're not ever going to be right. God can do that because he's God. You can't do it, but God can. Let's begin to pray and believe and proclaim the truth, who God is and what he's going to do. And we're not going to talk about it today, but he has created all things, whether it's Thrones or dominions or principalities and powers. And he's over all those things. He rules and reigns over those things. And God has put those things under Jesus' feet. And we, as his people, are under our feet as well. And we need to learn to walk in that. We need to learn to put our foot on the neck of the enemy and say, that's where you are and you're staying down there. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to believe what God says. I'm not going to believe the lie anymore. I'm going to walk in the fullness of God's provision. Amen. Worship team, y'all can come back. Let's do, uh, come to the altar again, Jason. Um, so we're going to pick this up again next week. And um, I'm excited about uh, talking about these uh, thrones and dominions and principalities and powers. You know, those are, they're just different descriptions of uh, demonic and angelic uh, host. There's some kind of a hierarchy and it's not something that is exact, but it's there. But the thing we're going to learn is that Jesus Christ rules and reigns over all of it.
It doesn't matter if it's a principality. It doesn't matter if it's a power. It doesn't matter if it's a dominion or a throne. Big, little, gigantic, enormous. He's over it all. He rules and reigns. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's what I want us to do. I want us to learn to begin to walk in that every day where you're not walking around in confusion and discouragement, but you're walking around knowing that he has already won the victory. Yes. And he I wants know. us to walk in that victory. And so as we sing, I want you to think about this and just, you know, we're talking about coming to the altar. But the altar, it can be right there in your seat. I'm not saying you've got to come forward. If you want to come forward, come. The altar's open. But more importantly, the altar is the place that you set up, the place for you to worship God, for you to enter into that place where you receive what he is offering to you and what you are offering to him. And so, Lord, we come to the altar this morning. We say yes to you. And we receive what you're giving to us, and we give you our gift, which is ourselves, Lord. We say yes to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.
wait for the crown Tell the world of the treasure you found Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, today is a day that you can come to the altar, a day that you can say yes to Him. It's as simple as acknowledging that you have a need. Lord, I need you. I'm a sinner. I know I've, I've made mistakes. And I give myself to you and ask that you forgive me and cleanse me. Come and live and be my Lord and Master. I want to live for you now. You pray that prayer. The Bible says you're born again. And if you prayed that this morning, come, come to the altar and tell someone about it so they can talk with you and pray with you. If you're listening remotely, send us an email so that we can follow up with you. If you want special prayer for anything this morning, you want someone to lay hands on you, you're welcome to come to the altar and someone will pray with you. Otherwise, I'm going to ask you to receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. Amen. Go and be blessed. This is a new year. And God wants to make all things new. Amen. It's not going to be the same. It's new. Yes. Let's believe that. Let's expect that. Let's have a great expectation and hope that God is going to do new things in us Amen. and in this nation this year. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week.